Just I, like I can't stop thinking about him talking about raping Frank Herbert. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Fine Podcast, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before, I am Adam Portress. And, uh, well, it's been a little bit, but uh, he's finally back after a long, long bit away. It's almost like you weren't part of the show for a while. But, ladies and gentlemen... I pretty well, much wasn't. No. But welcome back. The uh, the the uh, our, uh, uh, What's the... Uh, what's the... Uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was trying to come up with a great analogy. Anyways, he's back. Matt Smith. <laughs> I, I would say that I'm like the Andy Richter to your Conan, but I think uh, maybe I contribute more. <laughs> you don't just clap. <laughs> just <laughs> It really is when you think about it, when you think about the kind of Andy-Conan relationship, that really he is very much, like Andy's very much that Ed McMahon kind of deal, right? Yeah, I, th- I think so. It- he uh, does have moments, though, where oh, yeah, he, uh, he, he it's very chatty. And um, my favorites. Of course, his uh, following him on Twitter is even better than <laughs> watching him on Conan, though. So that's, that's where my pleasure comes from. Like, <laughs> knowing how weird Andy Richter is outside of being that Ed McMahon guy, hmm. um, like, allows me to enjoy... Maybe him just sitting there and looking at people with funny faces, because I imagine, like, what is this weird shit that he's just thinking right murder, now? What? Murder, <laughs> murder, maybe, murder, uh, maybe. We will there. find out. There'll be an awesome like movie where <laughs> there's a sideshow, uh, there's there's a sidekick host, and he goes around just like he's got just such contempt and rage for everybody that's ever on the show, and his only thoughts are, I'm gonna kill everybody, and like a long string of people. Just just end up dead. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I will also say, sticking up for Andy Richter, uh, because I know that he has his detractors in the Conan fanboy elite uh, out there. Um, you know, uh, one of my favorite, in fact, I'd say it's my favorite hands-down bit that Conan ever did, only was possible because Andy Richter was a part of the show. And uh, so this is back in the... God, I don't know, early 2000s or so, um, maybe late 90s. Um, but Matt Lauer would do this uh, piece on his morning show where they would say, like, where in the world is Matt Lauer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing a report, right? Well, Conan did that um, with Andy, but because <laughs> because they had no budget, <laughs> it was where, where in the building yeah. is Andy Richter? And it was always like the sub basement or, or like the fourth level of the parking garage. <laughs> and uh, that's one of my favorite bits, uh, takeoffs uh, that Conan's ever done. One of the funniest, most clever send ups I think he's done. And uh, it would have never happened if 
Andy Richter had not been there because the joke was also that Matt Lauer was meaningless like Andy Richter. Well, it's, it's very true. But <laughs> so, anyway. I, I, I always loved like at the end of his Tonight Show run where it was just like, you know, we're, I'm being kicked out, but fuck it, we've got a lot of money. So I'm just going to get a Bugatti Veyron and dress it up as a rat for no real. It's like this car costs $2 million and we're just goofing around. Who cares? It, it, it was literally just like a fuck you, NBC. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. Anyways, uh, thank you for listening to the Conan This Week podcast. <laughs> we, um, we're here every Thursday. No. Um uh, today we have uh, we've come back together on these hollowed podcasting grounds to talk about a movie that well a movie that never was uh, and we'll talk about if maybe that movie ever could have been hmm interesting uh, today we're going to be reviewing Jordorowski's Dune a uh, we all you know, many people have seen uh, David Lynch's Dune from the uh, early eighties but many people don't know that before that. Uh, there was a little guy named Alejandro uh, Jodorowsky who was uh, a weirdo, if you've seen his films. <laughs> um, and uh, so gorgeous, though. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. They were great looking films. Um, but bizarre is all get out. And he was going to do Dune way before. It's like just post um, 2001 and even pre Star Wars. So, uh, but yeah, this. It was like 1974 or 75. He was yeah, on this th- so the movie was uh, never meant to be, but uh, Jodorowsky's Dune, our documentary today, we'll be talking about, uh, chronicles his uh, journey. And um, we'll be doing that. Let's take a quick break and then we're going to come back uh, and just jump right into our review. Stay tuned, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to get into our new release review of this week. Here is the trailer for Jodorowsky's Dune. Mi ambición fue tremenda. I wanted to make something sacred. Una película que diera las alucinaciones de LSD. Si tomara LSD to change the young mind of all the world. Michel Sidup said to me, I want to make a new picture with you. What do you want to do? I say, Dune. And he say, yes. C'était le plus beau livre de science-fiction. Ça s'appelle la Bible de la science-fiction. Succès d'édition mondiale. I didn't read Dune. But I have a friend who said me it was fantastic. 3,000 drawings. I shoot the picture. Point of view. Movement of the camera. Dialogue. Designing the spaceships, the clothes, the whole look of his world. Picasso. Open the mouth. Uh, the spaceship came in the tongue. Uh, his vision was so huge, so beyond what anybody else was doing at that time. Things that George Lucas wasn't even going to try in Star Wars. It's enormous. 
Part of Holler's genius was finding the right people. David Carradine, Mick Jagger, Dali as the Mad Emperor of the Galaxy. Dali said, can I have a burning giraffe? All right, all right, we'll have burning giraffe. Orson Welles. Yeah, I say, I don't want to do it. I said, if you do the picture, I will hire the chef of this restaurant and you will eat as here every day. And I say, I do it. Giger nunca había hecho películas. I say to Giger, I need you as you are. Alejandro completely motivated you. It was wonderful. We will change the world. People did not do this film as they were afraid of his imagination. This is a movie that has its fingerprints all over so many other movies. Blade Runner, William Gibson, Matrix. Giger, he makes the monster of Alien. And Hollywood starts to use my group. It always leads back to Jodorowsky. Could be fantastic, no? All right, everybody, that was the trailer for Jodorowsky's Dune, our new release review of this week, directed by um, Frank Pavich, uh, starring Alejandro Jodorowsky and a whole slew of others. Um, let's start here, Matt. Oh, hold on. Yeah. Oh, there we go. No, I'm here. Uh, let's let's start with you, Um now, because I would, my guess is this: uh, you are, are you a fan of the uh, of David Lynch's Dune? Uh, you, you, yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a very roundabout way, right? Like, um, I enjoy it because of its absolute failure to be watchable well, in a lot of ways. Well, yeah, <laughs> um, plus it's got sting in it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got a lot what I'm trying to say it's got a lot going for it um, I think I think that the movie's visually interesting in a lot of ways but uh, like narratively does not hold together um, I think some of the choices in style and tone are really weird um, and, and you know I think that probably had Lynch been given free reign, which was, uh, as we'll discuss, right, this was Jodorowsky's uh, problem with getting the movie made uh, at a studio, is, uh, you know, if, if Lynch had gotten free reign, who knows what he would have done. Um, but, you know, studios don't want to hear that stuff. So. That is true. Uh, well. But, but I don't love it. I think it's, I think it's actually probably a really bad movie. Um, but I do own it. Multiple <laughs> copies of it. <laughs> I, 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 there, there are movies that I'm like that with, where it's just like, look, I'm aware this is not good. Do I still have it? Yeah, um, yeah, I know several kinds, but shut up. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I'm gonna say something that may or may not uh, depend upon who you are. Uh, piss some people off. I know it'll piss some people off that I know personally because they, they absolutely love the guy to death. Uh, I, I am not a David Lynch fan, pretty much at all. Um, well, that's just crazy talk. I know it's a crazy talk to a lot of people. I am I'm not a Lynch fan. I would like there are parts of me that would like to like some of the stuff that he does, but honestly, it's most most of it I see is just like I mean, Mulholland Drive like physically made me angry. Like I was just like I had rage watching that piece of crap, and you know, and I I think you know there's just you mean the best movie of the two thousands, oh sir. God. That's I not was, my opinion, but it is a very popular one. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't understand. I was really hoping something would come of it, and like, really, when you look back at his stuff and kind of, uh, you know, especially that particular one, and 
it was just it was all crumbs from shit he had done before. It's like there's no there's a reason this thing doesn't make any bloody sense. It was cobbled together from scraps. I just I don't know. I just I think he's one of like I don't think he's probably one of the worst directors ever, but I think he's probably one of the most overrated directors in my opinion. Uh, I just I don't care That's for the guy's stuff. That's really crazy. That's like you're basically comparing him to to like Brett Ratner right now. Oh, I don't <laughs> look. I you're, I mean I understand that you're using the term overrated, which is something that no one would ever say about Brett Ratner, but well, you're basically saying the same thing. I'll say this: I at least not well I, I can't i gotta i gotta get the right number <laughs> i thought you were about to just go i will say that i at least like red dragon sick i do like red dragon <laughs> fuck you i do like red dragon i think red dragon's actually pretty good that's his best fucking film i'm not arguing it is good and like look and most of his stuff like i'll find look I, you know rush hour one and two were fun there are they great cinematic pieces no are they are they fun good kind of you know Americanized, you know, kung fu type movies. Yeah, they're good. They're good enough. And like, you know, th- those two make a good duo together. But, you know, it is what it is. Anyways, <laughs> let's let's get to our actual review. Yeah, let's back to this David Lynch. Whatever. Okay, so here is the. Uh, so, anyways, before David Lynch is what, what was what was uh, it was eighty four I think. Yeah, it was for, in the, for Lynch's Dune. Yeah, because it was after it was after Elephant Man. Yeah. Uh, so. But uh, so here's uh, so a couple of years before that, uh, Dune was a uh, great uh, Frank Herbert book, uh, a wildly epic thing that a lot of people, from what I've read, you know, really thought this thing is going to be. It's one of those kind of unfilmable books, and if you watch, you know, uh, Lynch's Dune with all the horrible dialogue and the bad kind of voiceover stuff, you can see why. It's just like this doesn't translate very well. But uh, so there was another filmmaker, and here's the uh, synopsis of our movie day, Jodorowsky's Dune. Uh, this is from their uh, website, JodorowskysDune.com. Uh, this fascinating documentary explores the genesis of one of, uh, one of cinema's greatest epics that never was. Cult filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky, El Topo, his adaptation of Frank, uh, you know, Frank Herbert's sci-fi classic, Dune, whose cast would have included such icons as Salvador Dali, Orson Welles, and Mick Jagger. In 1975, following the runaway, the runaway success of his arthouse flick, El Topo and Holy Mountain, Alejandro Jodorowsky secured the rights to Frank Herbert's Dune and began work on what was gearing up to be a cinematic game-changer, a sci-fi epic unlike anything the world has ever seen. And uh, I got to say, I, I, I was really like I'd seen some Jodorowsky stuff. I, I wouldn't say I'm I, I, I wouldn't classify myself a fan, but I'm not. You know, I, I don't dislike his stuff. It is uh, like like you said before, he's a very uh, stylistically and visually a very interesting person, and uh, I, I think that would have most certainly uh, done well in its in what at least he was planning on doing for Dune. It kind of the movie opens up and we see this giant like to call it you know because in a lot of different productions, be it TV, movies, or whatever, they put together a giant book, which is referred to as the Bible for that show. This is probably the biggest Bible I've ever seen for a show. It is like... Yeah, this thing is... This thing is. I kind of really want it to be published. I do, too. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this going, like, I don't know if it how cost-effective it would really be, but 
damn if it wouldn't be cool. I mean, the thing is like six inches tall. It's like that thick. It is huge. Oh no, I'd put in my Kickstarter. Yeah, it would be you interesting. Know what I mean? Like because I mean it would easily cost in the two hundred plus dollar range, you, no doubt. You hear that? You hear that distributors and directors of this movie? We know uh, you're listening. Kickstart a published version of that Bible. Do it. Uh, you I guarantee have- I guarantee it will get the funding absolutely and you know what i mean and you could do it in several ways obviously one of the lowest things uh, or one of one of the you know 50 bucks 100 bucks or whatever you could get a digital version of it and put you know like on your ipad or something yeah could be anything offer the movie there's a lot of things you can do really that's a, that is a, a very it, smart idea kickstart anyway, that shit. Opens this massive book right? it's gigantic and uh, it, it kind of goes through and shows every single bit of that movie as if you were to watch it. And there's an interview with uh, Nicholas Winding Refn, the uh, director of Drive and Bronson in the Pusher trilogy. He He's like, I've gone through this book. I've read it. I kind of sat down at his house and read the whole thing. And like, I've seen that movie. When you look through this book, you will have seen the movie that Jodorowsky wanted to make. And that's a pretty epic idea. Yeah, but he goes out and uh, like you like you kind of heard in the trailer, and I'm sorry that the trailer's kind of a little mismatch of a lot of different things because this movie itself is a mishmash of uh, of English and Spanish and French, and there's just a lot of uh, there's a lot of subtitles even for a lot of the English stuff. But um, and, and and as far as mishmashes go, can I make another I th- I think very apt comparison. Uh, to a style of documentary, okay. although I think this one uh, works a little bit more. Um, I found a lot of similarities as far as the construction of information and the things that it was doing. Um, very similar to Room 237. Yeah, I could, yeah. Um, it, it's not nearly, like, interested in the same thing right like this isn't crazy conspiracy theories about dune but i think like organizationally the structure is very similar right and i and i uh it and it's this weird melange of things right so like you've got all this information coming from people who were involved in the production versus people who have read it like, like refin has um then you've got like the visual representation. So he, he goes through all the periods of the artwork, right. When he had specs done and, uh, it just has that like kind of obsessive mashup of information and visuality that, uh, I found really compelling, um, about that other movie room 237, uh, that other people didn't like, but here <laughs> I think, I think this does, uh, does that form, Right, uh, more successfully. Well, I true. Think. It's and this one is a lot more kind of accessible from there. I mean, the thing that two thirty seven had going against it for some viewers is like we never have any actual you know visual contact with the person who's talking, and so there's no real kind of connection with it. We're just hearing these disembodied voices, and that could. But it is. But it is. Of very course, much, you know. Of course, you know. Like I really like. I think there's a version of this documentary out there that could have been made to sell to people who were just really interested in sitting on their couch and doing drugs. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, like, like it could have all been that crazy quasi computer generated imagery. Uh, I mean, it could have been like we were watching Jodorowsky's Dune, but he was telling us about it over it. 
right? Yeah. Um, and they didn't do that to the extent that 237 does. It gives you the, the full-on like production context of it and the talking heads, the general conventions of, of the genre. But yeah, but yeah, that's, that's one of the big things that I like about this is like so. So one of the one of the uh, big o- the opening shot that uh, that uh, Jodorowsky wanted to do was like really the longest he was a big fan of touch of evil and the big giant tracking shot at the beginning of touch of evil and he's like i want to do that but in space and have like the most cosmic long ass tracking shot that ever was and you got to remember this is a pre-star wars era and when you see the storyboards i mean if he could have accomplished what these storyboards set out to do it would have been absolutely spectacular there's no way in hell it could have ever happened just because the technology and like it wouldn't i mean honest to god i don't think it would i don't think it existed 20 years you know post the time that he wanted to do it no and i mean that's a that's a point that some of the guys in the movie bring up right like George Lucas, for all of his ambition, had to abandon things years after Jodorowsky was going to make this film because it wasn't feasible, even then, right? Um, and and also, uh, didn't they mention... I Man, I, I was watching it, and I forgot to write this down uh, in my notes, but didn't they mention that like his budget was something like a million dollars? It was right? not... Like, a, I don't remember the exact number, but it wasn't anything that was super it's not, high. It's like... Yeah, they give me a million dollar contract. Like, what? <laughs> and so you're, and and I mean, from his background, right, where he's making these really bizarre, and and I mean, like he, his movies visually, uh, El Topo in particular, are like just these weird surrealist trips of like visual invention. Right. And so it would have been interesting to see how he would have pulled it off, honestly. But, yeah, I don't I don't think it would have happened. Right. I mean, yeah. Now, one of the things that you did, you, you couldn't really see or you couldn't really hear in the trailer because it was uh, it was in Spanish. and He was talking about it. Uh, he wanted this movie to be like to more or less represent to you a trip on LSD with you actually not even having to take LSD. That's oh, yeah. the kind of trip that he wanted everybody to go on with this. And I'll tell you this. I I love this guy. Jodorowsky is is an amazing interview. He's so animated. And the one thing that you got to love about this guy is, like, he is so passionate about what, like, even this thing that never happened, that, you know, is a time that's come and gone in his life. And, like, he's as far as he's concerned, he has made this movie. I mean, if you look at the book, he's just like, I made the movie. See, here it is. So he doesn't really want to, you know, physically make this movie as a movie that goes out into theaters but he does he treats this thing as if it is a movie that he has already completed and he still has so much passion for it 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 absolutely is kind of uh it's just engaging and you 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 love every second that he's on screen because you're like this is a guy who loves what he's doing and it's infectious as hell yeah so you could see how these how these great people would get on board with him and stuff. Uh, I, I loved all the different stories about how he kind of decided. Well, well, let's, well before I get to that, uh, just the fact that he never even really read the book before he, he optioned the rights to it. He kind of said, "Yeah, well, well, you know, he got that deal with the producer, and he was just like, what do you want me to make?' He goes, Dune.' He goes, okay, I'll make Dune.' And it was like, <laughs> I mean, who, what, huh? It's just, and it was just on account of his friend told him, "Hey, Dune is a really good book." 
Now he, yep. you know, uh, I, of course I've seen the uh, I've seen the director of this kind of like he's like the director and everybody else in the uh, Jarowski's Dune. Uh, everybody in the documentary, uh, they're very uh, engaging on social media, which I think is absolutely awesome. And uh, hey, guys, if you want to do a, a, a interview on this podcast, uh, the film find at gmail dot com. <laughs> I'll do it. Shameless plug. Shameless, Shameless plug. plug. And I, I, I've talked to other documentarians that actually do want that are interested in coming on yeah, the show. So I'll talk about I, that. At, I just uh, at a later point. I wish that as a as a an audio medium that we could have like the Wayne's World uh, like flashing <laughs> like shameless plug kind of thing going on you know anyway. but uh yeah so so but he's I, i've seen them basically say he has read the book he did read the book so don't think oh well he didn't even read the book and he was just going to go yeah, and do it, bef- it. but just at the time he he committed right before he committed to the project he had not read it that's pretty wild uh, well which is also pretty common <laughs> like I, like there are i feel like there are a lot of directors who um like have no idea about source material beforehand, right? Like uh, there's the great um, David Cronenberg, for example, mm-hmm. right? Uh, has said like, oh, I, I when I read the script for A History of Violence, I had no idea that it was uh, that it was a graphic novel, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that this happened. Uh, this has happened to Scorsese a few times, right? So it's. I think it's probably more common, right? Because wait a minute, wait a minute. This Jesus was a guy in the Bible. <laughs> but whoa! But I, but I think that it's like the these guys, like you know, they're they're interested in their own thing, which is making movies, or in uh, Jodorowsky's case, right, uh, like art in general. Um, and so they they don't keep up with like the current trends, right? I mean, the only reason that Scorsese, for example, was ever interested in making Age of Innocence was because he had worked with uh, the same producer for, uh, or uh, was it a producer or one of his regular actors? I forget, but um, like over the course of like three or four years, every time they had been on a set, he had tried to like get him to read this book. And so he finally sat down to read the book and then he was like, yeah, okay, I'll do this next, you know? So they're just not you know they're not as aware of everything. They got a lot of shit to do. It takes like a year and a half to make a movie. Yeah, and at the very least, and especially with as ambitious as this one was, it would have taken a lot longer. I think. But <laughs> I, he might he might have still been working on it this year if <laughs> if he tried to do it. It's possible, dude. But I, I love the stories of him kind of going out and trying to crew this thing up. And um, and as as you heard in the trailer, this is a movie who um, who all of it's kind of. Uh, it had like such an all star cast before the all star cast was really all stars. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean the one one of the first people that he uh, gets is uh, is the the comic artist uh, Mobius or Morbius. Mm-hmm. I, I, I always have a problem saying his name because I hear Mobius. English movies. I hear English guys saying it a lot, and that's I don't have that awesome accent. But uh, <laughs> who was uh, you know he done like I think he'd done some like heavy metal stuff and a whole bunch of other things. Oh, yeah, very well known comics artist. And yeah. uh, you know he was very influential with Ridley Scott and Alien and things like that. And of course, then you know we have Dan O'Banion, who at the time he saw uh, Dark Star, which was John Carpenter's early film, uh, first film rather. And uh, so it's, all, it's like, oh, this guy's doing these special effects, which Dan O'Bannon has gone on record and said were fucking awful special effects. He hated it. And that's what you know made Dan O'Bannon actually want to do Alien was he's just like, oh, all we have in Dark Star is like this giant beach ball alien. I want to do it, you know, well. 
And well, I will say like uh, the like that story though of him uh, like walking out of the meeting that he had set up with Douglas Trumbull. Oh, I wanted to mention that. Yes, that was so awesome. <laughs> like that was like like yeah, this isn't the guy for me. I'm out. <laughs> Douglas so Trumbull, for, for for everything that he oh, has yeah. given to 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 cinema, uh, he has always kind of come off as like a, a as a dick. Oh yeah, yes. Uh, and and for those of you listening who may not know, who this is right. He's the guy who did the special effects for two thousand and one. That's what everybody remembers him for. But also, he, he had quite a career um, in special effects. But yeah, that that story where he like. <laughs> He's talking about how he was uh, going around L.A. with Mobius and they wandered into a movie theater and saw Dark Star and said, this is the guy. <laughs> and so they just happened to he happened to be at the he happened to be at his agents the next time he went there. Is yeah. that what he said? Just crazy. Just crazy. <laughs> yeah. So we, so we had Mobius. We had uh, Dan O'Banion, who, who would then like so he wanted actually uh, O'Banion to do the uh, the special effects and everything. I don't really know how well that really would have gone off because, like I said, I mean, Dan O'Banion first of all said, "Hey, look, our Dark Star effects fucking sucked." Uh, but then, of course, he you know, like I said, he would go on, go on to write Alien, and then of course another Alien alum, H.R. Giger, would uh, do a lot of the uh, different uh, kind of uh, conceptual art and stuff like that. And I got to say, it was this movie. It, it, that's what it's. It's such a killer because you watch everything and you're like, this could have been fucking amazing. But the fact that you see all of the different, uh, there's like every camera shot, every move, everything that you would have seen on screen was all you know ingested into this Bible. So, uh, you know, th- there there's been you know visual evidence of this stuff around for years and years and years, and. You, like, like they said in the trailer, you can see all this stuff come out in pop pop culture, you know, throughout the years. There are a lot of people that borrow from this. I mean, I look, look at all the people that were involved with it who went off to do other things. You mm-hmm. know, you had the Mobius and the and the Giger and stuff, people that would go on to do these great things like Alien and whatnot. But I think also one of the big things, too, though, is really having somebody behind it that... Um, Really could champion this thing, and I want to talk about this for you. This is a, this is a slight sidebar, but this kind of this kind of has to do with uh, film overall as a giant thing, and I think could have probably helped this film had it had the right person behind it. And what I mean by that is, uh, I I want to talk about real quick one of the most underrated people I think in Hollywood, the man who does not get his due. I mentioned this on Twitter a while back. Um, is is Alan Ladd Jr. Alan Ladd Jr. made it made some of the like just by kind of flipping a switch more or less and giving the go ahead gave so many people that you know everyone else said no forget it we're not going to do it gave them so much hope and just and said go ahead I and mean, like he saw Star Wars and said look I don't know what this is I don't understand it you go ahead and you do that he saw Alien and was like look I don't really know what this is you guys go ahead. but he saw these things and said, "Look, I don't, I don't understand what this is, but I think I, I have faith in you. I look at you and I see this is a guy who knows what he's doing. He's very passionate about this. Go ahead and do it. And I think if somebody had been in front of Jodorowsky and gave him that kind of true push and everything, it would have 
possibly resulted in maybe not the movie that you know we're gonna, that we would see coming out of that Bible, but at least something would have you know transpired beyond the point that it got. Yeah, maybe, maybe you know, I don't, this is this is part of the problem of talking about this. Who who knows, right? Uh, <clears throat> do they? I don't remember, but do they even mention who? Uh, in the studio system, turned them down once they turned up with all this stuff after they've been working on it for like a year and a half or whatever. I'm not sure. It's been a. It's been several days since I've actually seen it. But uh, I don't. Th- I don't think they do though. I think they. Uh, they don't name names. Um, which I found a little weird. Right? Like, there's no reason not to. Hmm. Maybe our. Uh, maybe our Jodorowsky people can. Uh, can uh, come on <coughs> to the podcast and do it. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, maybe so, right? Like, like I'm just curious as to whether there were, like, ongoing legal complications with it or or the possibility of legal complications, had they mentioned, right? You never um, know. But they had, like, a, I mean, like, everything from the art direction to, to his his obvious, you know, he, he's got a, he's The man certainly got an eye on him, for sure. And he had, like, a crazy cast ready, like Salvador Dali and uh, Mick Jagger, Orson Welles. And that, I love the Orson Welles uh, story, basically. It's just like, hey, I know at this point in your late career, you're just a fat slob who doesn't want to get out of bed to do any work. Um Come and do my movie. I don't really want to go and do your movie. Hey, I can feed you like they're feeding you in this restaurant, you fat schmuck. Oh, okay. I'll uh, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll go and do that. <laughs> I'll do it for I'll do it for a ham sandwich. Well, now we know why he did Transformers. Indeed. And uh, and I I I love the idea. Uh, well, it's kind of it's wacko and crazy. He uh, he wanted to put his son as the uh, the lead role. I forget what the uh, character's name is. It's been a while since I've seen all these things, but um, he put him in this in the lead role. Who in this guy needed to be like a big swashbuckler, big action kind of guy. He paid a martial artist dude for two years to train his own son, like six yeah. days a week for like hours upon hours a day to train his son so like you know he would be this you know martial arts master by the time that they started rolling which i right. thought was uh awesome and insane at the same time and I, I'm, I'm sad that they didn't you know kind of go you know ask the son afterwards it's like well, do, what do, you, do you know any have you kicked anybody's ass with this <laughs> or are you amazing swordsman what do you can you can you show us something you some of that's got of a stuck right uh, maybe who knows what that guy was teaching him uh, honestly <laughs> they were going away smoking dupes for a couple hours they didn't <laughs> we'll yeah, just, they were we'll tell dad you trained today it works yeah, they were rolling on some uh, lsd like yeah this is what space is like you know? <laughs> we're gonna do some space fighting and really they hadn't moved across the room they're still sitting in their lounge chairs it's a fight of the mind <laughs> yeah well which is which is the other weird thing about Jodorowsky's vision, right? Is this like ending that he changed it to where, where everything becomes like this total one consciousness thing. Like so weird, so weird. Right. And that, and that honestly, that led to like what I felt was the weirdest thing for him to talk about, which was uh, like he references uh, his adaptation and really anyone's adaptation of source material as you're raping the source material. Yeah, that was really, that was a, that was the weirdest part of the entire movie. And, and he's just like, you know, it's, 
<laughs> but it's a good rape. Of, but he's talking about it in context of marriage, like forcing yourself on your wife who you love, you know, that sort of thing, which is just what a weird part of that movie, man. I just I like I can't stop thinking about him talking about raping Frank Herbert. Uh, I'm, I'm just like, like the whole time I'm just going this has got to be this is there's a translation problem here something it's just like we're not that's not his first english isn't his first language that's clear but i think it's just that he's 85 and yeah. and latin <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't i don't mean to sound fucked up i mean like there's a romantic like masculinity thing uh that is there also in like anglo cultures of the time right the fucking swing swinging 60s big dick uh gold chain motherfuckers that sort of thing right yeah, like, it's the, it's the slapping your lady to kind of get her to snap back to reality yeah, and kiss he's her. just like he's just that like strong passionate latin male who's like 85 and doesn't give a fuck i cannot help it it, it comes from the loins it just, <laughs> just springs from the loins and the ladies uh, they cannot help it I don't yeah know. <laughs> yeah it's 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 fucking don draper right it's a let ooh. It's a Latin spin-off, spin-off. We got a spin-off, kid. He yeah. comes in at the last second, and we have a Latin Don Draper who starts out in 1974. With acid. <laughs> With acid. Oh, man. I'd watch that show. <laughs> I would watch a Latin Don Draper just... And it's it's got to be like... The, most of the other cast is still white. If, you got a couple of spicy Latinas in there just to kind of... call it anything but Jodorowsky's Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> Furioso hombres. <laughs> but, uh, um, anyway, yeah, but uh, yeah. So like, he changes the ending to the book to be this like big mind expanding thing where the planet's a conscious being and we're all part of it. And what a that's where I got a little lost. I was just like, boy, this guy's this guy's out there and like probably yeah, like, in an amazing oh, this, fucking way. This is why I don't understand parts of his other movies that I really like. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that is like uh, you know when you see a lot of these kind of uh, you know for, I guess for lack of a better term, kind of avant-garde type filmmakers. It's just like there's probably something functioning on a different level that people like you or I just could never fucking understand. We could never reach that level of whatever it is inside, you know, that artistic brain that we just can't, you know, it's like, look, dude, you're not on the same level. You just, you, you won't get it. You know, good luck trying. Yeah. And it's one of those things you'll be deciphering this forever, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen to you. Cause you're just not on that wavelength. Sorry. But, uh, yeah. So I guess that's just about pretty much all we can kind of say. Uh, let, let's kind of, uh, let's, so, okay. Final thoughts. Uh, I think this documentary is really great. Um, is it uh, like the best thing I've seen? I don't know. It's really good. Uh, it makes me want the actual movie to have existed, um, which I think is uh, is a very big positive in how effective this film is at telling its story. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I just I want that fucking book, man. I just want that book. I want it like place of prominence on my shelf. You're going to have to get I'll, some new I'll reinforced two, shelves. I'll buy two copies so I can have one on my shelf in my office and one 
on the coffee table for visitors to gawk at and be like intimidated mm. by. No, 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 no. You got to have it on. You got to go. You got to go old school with that shit. Do you I gotta, have to get a Bible pedestal? Yeah, you like, got to get that like a bi- family Bible. Pedestal? Exactly. Make it big. You have a big giant pedestal. And there's I'll a little light over it and shit. That'd be boss. Look, if they kickstart that shit and, and, and it happens, I will do that. And, uh, like post, pictures and advertise that shit for free the film find at gmail.com we will all <laughs> talk about this we'll hold hands and go down the aisle uh, i myself uh thoroughly recommend this movie uh if you have any uh if if you've seen if you've seen lynch's dune or even if you haven't honestly i mean what i don't you just like dune if, if you like the book or you've never even read the book i think anyone could get you know a a, a good good amount of entertainment out of this and uh, it's a good insight to how movies are made, the process of of kind of putting together everything, and especially seeing him and his sort of you know unorthodox way of doing that kind of thing. And uh, like I said, if if nothing else, you you really have to love this movie for the amount of passion and joy and exuberance that Jodorowsky brings to it, to, to something that you know ultimately in his life failed. I mean, it, now it didn't fail as much as he quote unquote made the movie within that book himself, but it you know it ceased to exist on the big screen as he you know had wanted it to. So, but for something like that to have not reached what would what one would think would be its ultimate goal, for that not to actually have occurred and to still have this passion and love for this project is is quite astounding. Uh, I think the documentary is done in a fantastic way. I love the uh, the animation of the storyboards that they do and kind of give us that idea of what that long tracking shot at the beginning all the way out from you know the furthest reaches of the cosmos all the way into the planet. Uh, I, I love that animation. I think it's absolutely gorgeous that they took that original work and made that kind of come to life for everybody. And, uh, and really being able to see where this movie had touched, you know, pop culture later on and where, you know, this was the guy who decided, hey, I'm going to get this. It's like a super group got together but never released an album. (laughs) And then that's a lot what this is like. And uh, But then those guys, you know, went off and did had amazing careers elsewhere and uh so but and i and i i thoroughly enjoyed his like they took him to see uh lynch's dude and he was just like yes it sucks it's a piece of shit i i it's like he was it was such vindication for him because he thought oh no if i have to go into this movie that i thought i put i put like two three years of my life into and then it just crumbles beneath me and this guy comes in what if he does it better and then he does it horribly according to him and uh, according to me and um, <laughs> and to just go it's a piece of shit yes i love that but uh yeah definitely uh so uh Jodorowsky's Dune uh it was out in limited release i think it's uh expanded a bit wider now it's in i know it's, it's in charlotte it's in it's shown here in atlanta so uh, uh you know and has been for a couple weeks now yeah so if you have like a small art house theater out there uh you probably can find this but i'm sure it'll be on vod and uh and and whatnot and dvd and blu-ray and whatnot very soon but mm-hmm. uh yeah so that is it everybody that is our review of Jodorowsky's Dune two big giant recommendations from the two of us uh go out and see that um 
I, I want to talk for just a second. Uh, I'm not going to give too much details, but uh, needless to say, uh, next week, Spider-Man 2 comes out. Uh, and as much as we enjoyed Captain America, and that was kind of the kickoff of the summer season, let's be honest, there hasn't been a whole hell of a lot in the last couple of weeks, because still nothing quite happens in April outside of a rare you know, Captain America or something like that. Uh but the real summer really starts to kind of kick off here in May with Spider-Man 2. And uh, I'm not going to say anything else about it right now. We'll let you wait till uh, next Monday. And uh, But we've got something here at the Film Fine Plan that's going to be a bit different, a bit big, uh, kind of a departure for us for a little bit, but yet the same kind of uh, fun stuff you've known and loved. So please stay subscribed for that. Just uh, thefilmfind at gmail.com. Please go there. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, follow our YouTube account. I was shocked. My YouTube account, actually something happened. I thought I had erased every one of the videos by accident because Google's service fucking sucks and they, they can't organize things properly. And I thought I had deleted everything. Everything is still there, I am happy to say. So a lot of my work is not in vain. Fuck, I was I was so depressed. I I I'm not gonna lie. I cried a little bit when I was when all that when I thought all that shit was gone. Uh, so uh, go there, do all of that, and uh, of course, uh, if you have any questions, comments, uh, suggestions, anything like that, feel free to email us at thefilmfind at gmail Matt, where can we find some of your work on the internet this week, sir? Uh, I'm on Twitter at matt underscore. Boyd underscore Smith and uh, the split screen dot wordpress dot com where I will be hopefully much more active in the coming months. So you read anything interesting lately? Uh, I just did a I just did a blog post about why I don't think uh, television's going anywhere and why I think all of the hullabaloo about the Amazon HBO deal that was announced last week is uh, kind of overblown. I agreed with most of the points in your uh, in that piece. I, I enjoyed it and uh, some things, uh, you know, a little bit. But go and read it for yourself. Uh, we'll we'll have the uh, we'll have the links in the show notes and everything else. But uh, so that is it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much. Uh, like I said, big show next week. Amazing Spider-Man Two. Mark Webb's second attempt at. Uh, I don't, did you like the first uh, Amazing Spider-Man? Mostly. Okay. Three quarters of the way. I, I think that's where a lot of people were. I was like, you know, you know what I hated about it? <laughs> Spider Man. I hate no, 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 no. I, I like, I like him, and but no, what I, what I hated about it was like, uh, like I don't need a goddamn origin again. No. So I'm hoping that uh, maybe we can get past that bullshit a little bit more. Maybe um, one day. But. I don't think it's going to happen with this movie. And so I'm not really all that hyped up. I, I'll be there Thursday or Friday to watch it. But like, I'm not all that hyped up for it. Right now. I don't think a lot of people are. I don't know why the more I see it, the more I, I think I'm really going to enjoy it. Uh, but then again, I, that might be a lot of in part due to, I think this is the most right they've ever got the costume. And that fucking excites me. I don't know why it excites me as much as it does, but it really does. I yeah, I mean, I was happy with the guy in the seventies swinging on ropes. It's so that's <laughs> that costume is so fucking spot on. Now it's just like I love the eyes are nice and big. I, I like. We'll we'll get into all that shit next yeah, week. Yeah, well, next week. So uh, until then, for Matt Thanks Smith. For well, oh yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nah, for Matt Smith, I am Adam Portress. Take it easy, everybody.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never... I got a burp. <coughs> All right, let's do it again. Eventually, when this podcast starts to get good, and I mean, people will listen. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta upgrade a little bit of equipment. I need to get, I need to get a better microphone that I won't have to turn up the gain so loud. Therefore, I have won't have such background noise. It's okay, but it could be a lot better. Well, I mean, everything can always be a lot better. Like, I don't know, maybe we should just not try. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> not trying. Always uh, the king of stuff. 